Hi, it's Jeff, host of the podcast. Imagine a world where planning your books is as fun as writing them, where plotters plot in heroic harmony and pantsers organize without overwhelm. Here's the thing, that world exists. Plotters and pantsers alike love the visual outlining and story Bible software Plotter, now available both online and as a web app. Named the number one outlining app for productivity by Kindlepreneur, Plotter turns outlining and organizing your books into the creative process it's supposed to Visit plotter.com slash rw today. That's p-l-o-t-t-r dot com slash rw today. And experience the difference yourself. Welcome back to the Reading and Writing Podcast. My guest today is Rachel Linden, author of the new novel, The Magic of Lemon Drop Pie. Author Julie Cantrell wrote about the novel, a delicious read down to the very last lemon drop. Rachel Linden delivers a delightful escape, wonderful characters, and a magical experience that will leave readers hungry for her next book. Rachel, welcome to the podcast. Oh, thank you, Jeff. It's a pleasure to be with you. Wonderful. If someone listening hasn't yet heard about your new novel, The Magic of Lemon Drop Pie, How would you describe the novel? Well, the novel is about Lolly Blanchard, who is a pie maker. She uh, gives up her engagement and her dream career in England when her mother dies unexpectedly. She goes back to the Magnolia neighborhood of Seattle to take care of her father and younger sister and to try to keep their family diner, their struggling family diner, afloat. And then 10 years later, she is given the magical second chance to redo her three greatest regrets in life and live three days as though she'd made different choices all those years before. And the question of the novel is, can Lolly figure out a way to regain the life she still longs for and the love of the man she can't seem to forget? So there's food, there's travel, there's second chance romance, there's family complexities and pie. That's wonderful. Well, I'm I'm curious, do you remember the original idea or impetus that led you to write The Magic of Lemon Drop Pie? Yes, I was on a flight from Nashville to Seattle and I scribbled on a Delta Airlines beverage napkin, what if we could redo our three biggest regrets? And that idea just caught me and I thought, what a fascinating premise because I think we all have regrets but we don't get a chance to go back. And so I thought, what? how interesting if we were actually able, if this character was able to go back and see what her life had been like if she had made three different choices, pivotal choices in her life, and the complexities of that, the things she uh, didn't expect would have happened if she had made different choices and the ways that her life played out and um, the sacrifices she has to make in unexpected ways. So that was the beginning. And then it kind of went from there. And I'm curious, what was your writing process like once you had scribbled that on, um, uh, you said like a, um, what was it that you said? Oh, it was a Delta Airlines beverage napkin. Yeah, a, a beverage napkin on, yeah. on a flight. Once you yeah. wrote that down, what was your writing process like after that? Did you outline the novel before you started writing or did you just dive into the narrative? 
I usually spend a little while. I say that my mind is like a rock tumbler. I just sort of let an idea tumble around in there and get polished a little bit. And then when I start writing, I spend about a week or so, maybe a week to two weeks, making an outline. It's not incredibly detailed, but I do like to follow kind of the story arc to say, uh, where are they starting? Where do they end up? Who are the main characters? What are the main plot points? And then make sure that I kind of have a a bit of a skeleton and then I start writing. And so I did that with this one. But what was interesting about this book was that I started really writing it in the spring of 2020, which, of course, uh, was the beginning of the COVID pandemic. And I'm in C- I was in Seattle at that time. Now I'm on a little island outside of Seattle. And so we were under lockdown early and for a very long time. And so I was writing this in a room, in my bedroom, in an apartment with two small children while we were homeschooling and trying to figure out life, you know, what life looked like in this new, very unnormal normal. And so this book became really special to me because it was really um, both an escape. It was wonderful to just go into this world where there were not masks or virus But I was also using it as a way of processing what it means when we are handed a life we didn't expect or choose, and how do we make a good life out of that? How do we take the lemons that life hands us, and how do we figure out how to make a sweet lemonade out of them? And so that's the entire kind of overarching premise of the book for Lolly, but also I think readers are really identifying with that, and I'm identifying with that as well. That's great. And I'm curious, do you ever personally wish that you had some magic lemon drops for yourself? I don't. I tend to be someone that is pretty pragmatic and just says, you know, of course, there are things that I wish I'd done differently. I think there, as you grow, you look back and think, oh, gosh, I I acted in some immature ways. I hurt people. I wish I hadn't hurt. But uh, in terms of large life events, no, I really don't have regrets in that way. I do identify with Lolly a lot more in this idea of um, being handed a life that I didn't choose a reality I didn't choose as it as we're coming out of a pandemic. And there are things like taking care of relatives who have illnesses and things that are just difficult that are handed to us. And um, so along with Lolly, I do I do really identify in her journey to say, okay, this is what this is what life is now. How do we go forward and make it the best it can be? That's great. Well, what was your initial fiction writing journey that led you to writing and getting your first novel published? Mm. Well, my first book was I wrote when I was six, and it was called Beans <laughs> with an exclamation point, like the vegetable. Mm-hmm. I put the excla- exclamation point on there to make it more exciting, which was only marginally successful. And uh, and so I was always writing something from the time I could hold a pencil. I was telling a story and writing a story. And um, so I worked on my first book, Ascension of Larks, for about six years while I was working as an overseas. I was working with a faith-based organization, an aid organization internationally. So I was traveling a huge amount. I was working with refugees and women in crisis and um, all kinds of things abroad. And on the side, I would be in an airport or in yeah, I've written in some really weird places and just be, be writing this story on the side. And then I finally thought, you know, I have been doing this for so long. I'm always writing a story. I'm always writing a book. I think in books. This is the way I'm wired. I think I want to try to do this professionally. So I went to a writing conference, not really knowing what I was doing, and ended up meeting the person who would become my first agent. And, um, and it kind of went from there. And what was that writing conference experience like for you? Um, besides well, getting your first agent. 
<laughs> well, I was a really broke graduate student in Chicago, <laughs> and there on campus, there was this writing conference, and I could only afford one day. And so I paid for the one day I could afford. I think it was $79. I was a really broke grad student. And um, I paid, you know, my $70 or $79 and went for that one day. And and I just was looking for all the opportunities for connection. And so I was connecting with other writers and speakers and agents and editors. And so I ended up meeting like three agents and a couple editors all in that one day. I made really good use of it. And, um, but I think it gave me, honestly, one of the things that highlighted to me is the incredible importance of relationships in the book industry. You know, we're artists who are sitting alone, writing stories in a room by ourselves, but relationships are unbelievably important. Relationships with readers, with other authors, with those in the publishing industry, having good, kind, uh, supportive relationships, both people who are supporting you and you supporting other people um, is key. It's fundamental to being able to succeed in this business. That's great. Well, are you working on another novel now? I am. Yes. My Well, right now my editor has it. So my working on it is just waiting for her to tell me what's wrong with it and write about it and then we'll, we'll make it better. <laughs> but it's fun. It's about a, a, a chef who is trained in Paris and in one day she loses her boyfriend, her job and her sense of taste. And so she goes to San Juan Island to reconnect with the mother who left when she was three and to try to regain her spark in the kitchen. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. That sounds great. Well, what writing advice would you offer for those who are working on their own stories and novels? I would say the read, read, read as much as you can in the genres you love and read people who are better than you because you want to be improving through reading. And really, as you read, you develop a feel for what a good story feels like. And then when you start writing your own, you'll have a sense of, and intuitively, you'll have a sense of pacing and character development and plot, and it'll be very helpful. So read extensively in the genres you love and read the best possible writers in those genres. And then I think um, the second thing, you know, most authors will not succeed unless they're moderately talented, just naturally talented. You can't teach natural writing talent. But a lot of writing is about the craft of writing, and that absolutely can be taught and should be studied. And so I know incredibly successful, best-selling, mega best-selling authors in New York Times many times over, and every book they're trying to work on their craft. They're trying to make that book better than the book that it was before, just being a lifelong learner of the craft of writing. There are great books and great resources and all of the professional writers that I know use the methodology and we're always trying to improve in our craft. And it takes hard work and it takes hours and it takes practice and it pays off. So those things and then establishing great relationships within the industry is incredibly, incredibly important. Well, what books have you read recently that you enjoyed? 
Mm, oh, what a great question. Let's see. I read, uh, I finally jumped on the bandwagon a couple years late and read Frederick, Friedrich Bachmann's A Man Named Ove. Mm-hmm. And I absolutely loved it. I lived in Europe for a number of years. So I loved that it was set in Sweden. And I loved that it was about the ability of community to bring meaning into a lonely, isolated life. So that was beautiful. Um, I read, there's a Seattle author that I super enjoy, who I just did an event with last week, called Elise Hooper. And she did a beautiful historical novel about a band of US Army nurses in the Philippines under Japanese occupation in World War II. And it's called um, oh no, Angels of the Resistance. No, Band of Angels. Now, oh gosh, there are two that are the same plot and um, that are studying the uh, two books that are going with the same uh, true story. And now I'm mixing them up. Hers was fabulous. Angels of the Pacific. That's what right. hers is called. Elise Hooper, Angels of the Pacific. And it is fantastic. So those are the ones that I've enjoyed recently. And I'm just about to jump into Stanley Tucci's memoir about food. <laughs> that sounds great. Well, where can people find you online if they'd like to learn more about you and your novels? The the best place is my website at www.rachellinden.com. And there they can catch up with me on Instagram and see what's going on, what events I have, if I'm going to be near them. And also there's a chance for them to sign up for my quarterly newsletter. And if they sign up, then I send them a book of recipes that are my favorite recipes from my childhood and around the globe just as a little thank you and welcome. Uh, So that's a great spot. And then I'm also on Instagram and Facebook. And those are fun places to catch me with up-to-date, up-to-date info there and pictures and things. So all those spots. Well, again, we've been speaking with Rachel Linden, author of the new novel, The Magic of Lemon Drop Pie. The novel is on sale now. So go buy a copy. And Rachel, thanks for doing this interview. Jeff, thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure to be with you. Wonderful. Thanks a lot. Okay, see you tonight. Daphne threw open the back door and blew me an air kiss. Love you much. I caught it against my cheek. Love you more. It was a childhood exchange mom had taught us, and one we still copied. Daphne traipsed out the door, then poked her head back inside, looking thoughtful. You know, it's not too late for you to do those things if you still want to. I waved away her words. Who would keep everything together around here? Who would be the glue? I knew you would say that. Daphne pulled a face. That's what they're going to put on your gravestone when they find you old and gray and collapsed face first into one of your lemon meringue pies. I was the glue. It was a horrifying thought. And sadly, probably not untrue. I stuck my tongue out at her. Aren't you late for something? She shrieked and darted out the door. I watched her go with a mixture of maternal fondness and sisterly exasperation. Twelve years younger than me, Daphne had been only ten when Mom died. I'd stepped in to fill the hole in her life as best I could. Some days I thought it was almost enough. In the sudden quiet of the kitchen, I made decorative peaks in the meringue with the back of a large kitchen spoon then checked each of the six pies. Good. They had meringue all the way to the edges. It helped keep them from weeping, a peculiar pitfall of meringue. I'd been making six lemon meringue pies almost every day for the past 10 years. My dad, Marty, the diner's chief cook, 
handled everything else food-related with the help of his assistant cook, Julio. But I made our famous pies, the best in Seattle. Only I knew my mom's secret recipe. She'd made me memorize it the night before she passed away. Popping the pies into the industrial oven, I set the timer and glanced at the clock. Still an hour until the doors opened at eight. Soon, Dad and Julio would be in to start prepping for the day. My diary lay on the counter. A blast from the past with neon unicorns jumping over a bright rainbow spangled with stars. At 13, I had loved that Lisa Frank diary with its luridly cheerful cover. It's crisp-lined pages just waiting to be filled with the dreams and aspirations of my young, idealistic heart. Daphne had unearthed it a few days ago in a box of our childhood memorabilia. I touched the cover with my fingers, lightly, wistfully, torn between wanting to toss it away and crack it open to eagerly devour every line. If I did, could I relive? if only for a moment, the confidence of endless possibilities, the naive presumption that just because I wished for something, it was bound to happen. How brash that seemed now. And yet, still, how alluring. I sniffed. Beneath the citrus scent of the pies beginning to bake, I caught a whiff of regret, pungent and bitter as rosemary. I clicked on the old-school combination radio CD player sitting under the window, tuning it to a classic country station, and opened the back door to get some fresh air. But in gusted a cool, wet wind that smelled like sorrow, sharp and briny as the sea. On second thought, I shut the door again and turned up the radio. Nostalgia was no match for Shania Twain's rockabilly girl power. Scooping up the diary, I crossed the kitchen and tossed it onto my desk in the converted walk-in pantry I used as an office, then shut the door firmly. I had a family to care for and a struggling diner to keep afloat. I had no time for nostalgia or regret. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.